Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. We are now in our God is Able Sermon Series. In this life, it is so easy for us to settle for the ordinary. We wake up and typically have the same routine every single day. Yet our God created us to live an extraordinary life. There is no one in the world exactly like you, and God wants you to reach your full potential. This involves us growing deeper and deeper into Christ while following Him every day. His plans for us are immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. So let's trust Jesus and live out our extraordinary lives. Let's listen in. All right. If you want to go ahead and grab your Bibles, grab your phone and open the Bible app there. Uh, We're going to start in Ephesians chapter 3, which is where we've been over the past several weeks in the series called God is Able. Uh, We've looked at uh, multiple different Parts of this passage over the past six weeks kind of broken this, these two verses into uh, six weeks of study and just kind of diving into that. So we'll start in Ephesians chapter 3 and then we'll jump over to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. So you can put your finger in one if you have real, uh, an actual copy of the scripture or you can just be ready to move over if you have your app ready there. Uh, over the past several weeks, what we've done is where we started is by reading together this passage in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. And it, one, because it there's just something special about reading God's Word together. God's church, reading God's Word together. There's something special about that being proclaimed. Uh, and then also just that, we, I know you've heard us say this, that we've been challenged to kind of memorize it, and hopefully we've got this uh, knocked down. I was going to take out some of these words just to see if y'all could get them, but I, I forgot. So um, that's the ADHD, and I didn't have my medicine this week. So, we, you know, I couldn't remember things. So that was funny, and you didn't laugh. Um, Thank you for laughing now. So we'll, uh, let's read this together. It's starting right there at the beginning. It says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know, so we've worked through over the past several weeks Uh, Like I said, just like little bite-sized pieces of this passage. And we started uh, in the very beginning with now to him and reminded, reminded that it starts with God. He's the one that initiates our, the conversation. He initiated all of this, that everything that we have, that we see, hear, taste, touch, smell, it all began with him. He started it. And it, 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 it's to him that it starts. And then he's the one who's able. And we and just kind of thought about and meditated on this reality that he is able, this rich truth that he is able. And, and in that week, we were challenged to, to pray big, bold, faith-filled prayers. And we're going to end this series today, but I want to challenge us to continue those big, bold, faith-filled prayers, especially on the edge of, of moving into a new space and, and just asking God to do incredible things as we move into that space in our families and in, and in the church and for his glory. And, and then week three, we talked about immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine and how just beyond the scope of our imagination, what God can do and does do on a regular basis. Week three or week four, we talked about according to his power that's at work within us and how we, each and every one of us, have the Holy Spirit inside of us. If we've trusted Christ for salvation, then he's given us his spirit to live inside of us. And so we, 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 can, we can do what he's called us to do because his spirit lives inside of us. Last week, we talked about to him be the glory in the church and how we glorify him in our growth and our love and, and our worship and in our reaching out to others. And this week, we're going to finish it up with that last little part of the verse where it says, throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. 
If you've been around Rolling Hills uh, for any amount of time, what you probably know is that we major on a couple things. There's some things that we really hold that, hey, this is the DNA of who we are. And one of those mainstays, one of the things that we're going to, that's going to continue throughout, through the whole time that God has us around until he brings us home, as long as Rolling Hills is a church that meets together on a regular basis, the fact that we want to pour into and see the next generation grasp the goodness of the gospel is a part of who we are. And so we put a lot of energy and effort into Next Generation, the kids' ministry that meets uh, in the hallways back there and in the new spaces as, the, as we move into the new building and putting that energy and effort over the next year into our student ministry, which next weekend has an event where we're going to go uh, tubing. I think I'm not going. Uh, they didn't invite me. I'm not young enough or cool enough. But th- there's going to be people who go tubing, uh, and, and, and there's different things that are happening for them over the next several weeks before we, but by God's grace, we'll launch a weekly gathering for our students in the beginning of the year. So putting a lot of energy and effort into that next generation. Because what scripture points to is this, that throughout all generations, through, through all generations, we want God's praise to continue to, to endure. And I think about what Paul says here in this passage, and that's what he's praying over what, what, he's, what, he's, what he's meditating on is what, that God's glory, that, his, that God's praise and his glory, that he would continue to receive glory through the end, his glory and praise would endure through all generations. And that happens when we continue to invest in the next generation. And the title of the sermon today is Impact the Next Generation. And just thinking about that, if, if we're going to impact the next generation, God's praise is going to have to endure. And you think about that word endure, right? I was talking to somebody just right before the, the service started and a good friend of his, business partners in uh, running an Ironman uh, triathlon today. And he's uh, eight hours into this event. And I was like, that's how much I sleep. I can't imagine running and biking and swimming that long. Uh, and that's, a good, that's how much I sleep on a good day, right? And I, Anyway, I, I, I'm glad that he's doing that. But that the endurance, being able to, to withstand and stay and continue no matter what we face. And when we think about some of the things in our world, lots of things just don't endure that long anymore. I know that I feel like an old man saying that, right? I feel like my dad said that and my grandfather probably said it. But I mean, like truly, if you look at, at what, like the, the average length of, a, of, of somebody who works at a job, the job tender of somebody in, in the United States is, is today 4.6 years, just under five years is the average length that somebody works at a job. I mean, I have shirts that are older than that. Lots of shirts that are older than that. Maybe I need to update some of those. But you think like the average person works at a job for five almost five years. But what we celebrate is those, those individuals who work for 40 years and endure at the same job. And there's something special about somebody doing that job for, for a long time. The average marriage right now lasts eight years in the United States. Eight years. But what do we celebrate? We celebrate those 40 and 50 and 60 years that's when we really begin to say, we, we really, you know, those are markers because endurance is something that we value, even though we don't see it in our world. And when we have clothes that wear out and shoes that wear out, cars that break down, things that fall apart, we fall apart, 
right? But endurance is something that, that, that matters to us. And so we talk about endurance, and what Paul is, is saying is that God, the gospel that, that, that he's proclaiming has got to endure throughout all generations. And when I think about that, there's two passages of Scripture that really come to mind, and one that haunts me and another that gives me hope. In Judges, Judges chapter 2, verse 10, verse 10 says this, And after a whole generation... After a whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. You think about this incredible, these people of God who, and, all, and if you read through the first five books of the Bible, all the incredible things that God did for his people. I mean, we're talking about parting the Red Sea and all of the things that he had done, the walls in Jericho, all of those things, these monumental moments in history. And that a whole generation of people that had come into the promised land had died and gone away, and the next generation rose up, and they did not know God, nor the things that he had done for the people. And it haunts me, because just a generation away, just a generation passes, and the people of God have forgotten God and all that God has done for them. But on the flip side, there's one that gives me hope, and it's 2 Timothy chapter 2. And it's just, just after the passage that we're going to look at this morning. It says this, Paul talking to Timothy, he says, "Then You then, my son, speaking to Timothy, be strong in the grace that, that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who are qualified to teach others. One haunts and one gives me hope. One haunts because the people forgot to pass on. The other one is this instruction to pass on the goodness and the greatness of the gospel to the next generation, to pass on the teachings to the next generation so that those grow up and continue to endure and continue to let the praise of God endure among the people of God. Like I said, in the previous weeks, what we've done is gone to these other passages in 2 Timothy chapter 1 is where we're going to go. Uh, and hopefully these words... We'll, we'll kind of bring to light some of what we're talking about with this, uh, from this Ephesians passage to, to throughout all generations forever and ever that his praise would endure. And we're going to work through that uh, just kind of a, a section at a time. So before we jump into there, just pray with me and just, we're just going to ask the Lord to continue to bless our gathering this morning as we worship uh, and open his word together. Jesus, I'm so thankful for your people gathered in this place. I'm thankful that all over the world today, God, there's churches that have gathered together, small churches, some in, in places where it's illegal for them to be together, and they've gathered together to open up your word and to worship you. I thank you for all over the United States. I thank you right here in Columbia that there are churches that are gathered here together to worship you. And God, I pray that by your grace that, that they would pass on your, your praise and your glory and your goodness and, and your gospel to the next generation so that your praise would endure. I pray that this morning, even as we gather, that God, you would help me to be faithful to pass on the teachings of your scripture to another generation, to men and women who are faithful to teach what you've said and what your word says to us so that we can pass this enduring gospel on to the next generation. And your praise will endure to the very end. It's in Christ's strong and mighty name that we pray. Amen and amen. 
So again, chapter 1 of, of 2 Timothy is where we're going to start here. It's in this beginning of this chapter, verse 1, it says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus, of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and then in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded lives in you now also. Verse six, for this reason I'm reminded, I remind you to fan into flames the gift of God, which is yours through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave us, gave us, excuse me, for the Spirit of God gave us, does not make us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. As you look at this, what, what I would, in this first seven verses, what I think what Paul's telling us, if you're following on in your worship God, what Paul says is that we have a call that endures, our call to endure. A call to endure that is a calling that, that, that is a calling that endures no matter where you are, no matter who you are. It's a call to endure then a calling that endures. And Paul starts by reminding Timothy and others as we read it that he, of his calling. He says, I'm apostle of Jesus Christ. His, his, authority, his, his authority to proclaim the gospel, and it, it comes from Jesus Christ. He's I'm a, an apostle of Jesus Christ, and what I'm doing, and, and that's who I am, and what I'm doing is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ because God called me to do these things. He's the one that called me to do it. It wasn't based on anything that I did or didn't do. It's his calling on my life to do the things that I'm doing. And he says to Timothy, it's the same for you. The calling that's on your life is a calling that God has given you and your faith. It's first, it was first through your grandmother and then through your mother. And he says, I'm convinced that it's on you now. And, and, and it's, it's a faith that is, it's, it's rather than giving you, giving into fear, into cowardness. It's a fear, it's a, it's a faith and a, and a spirit of boldness, a spirit of strength and confidence and self-control that he's given you. And he says, I've, that calling and that what he's given you is what he gave you, not something that you did on your own. The calling that you have is something that started with him. And there's a lot to, to talk about in this passage. I mean, there is a ton in these first seven verses, but I, but I, really, wanna, I really want us to hold on to just two things from there, and, and then we'll move on to some other things that I think are important as we continue working through it. it this first is that it's a calling to endure because the calling was initiated and stained, sustained by God who endures. It's a calling to endure because the calling was initiated and is sustained by God who endures. Now, I didn't write that whole sentence out in your worship guide, but if you want to write that down, I can say it again or you just listen. To it. it says it's a calling to endure because the calling was initiated and sustained by God who endures. Throughout Scripture, what we see over and over and over is that God is the one who initiates the conversation. 
God is the one who approaches his people and initiates the conversation. He's the one in the Old Testament that comes after his people. He's the one in, in the Garden of Eden who comes after Adam and Eve when after they've sinned. He initiates the conversation. He initiates with Noah. He initiates with Moses. He initiates with Abraham. He's the one who starts the conversation. And for each and every one of us, even though it may be that we look back, right, right now it's we got to that point where we knew that we needed something. But what I would say is you look back over your life, you would recognize that God is the one who's been pursuing you from the very beginning. And the calling that we have is it starts with the one who, who initiated the conversation with us. He's the one who started it. It's not us. And God who initiates the conversation is faithful. He never grows tired or weary is what scripture says. He never leaves us or forsakes us is the promise that Jesus left us with at the end of the book of Matthew, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so what we've seen in the past is what we know is true today and what will be true forever, that God is the one who, who and he is the one who endures. And the calling that is on our life it's the same calling that's been on the lives of all of our forefathers and those who have gone before us to, to, to lift up his name and that his praise would endure. What he tells his people is to love the Lord God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That this is the first, Jesus says, this is the first and greatest commandment. That we exist to bring glory and honor as image bearers of God. We exist to bring glory and honor to God. And so this calling that we have on our lives at the, at the base level, individual callings, but every one of us have this calling to, to bring glory and honor to God that his name would endure to all generations. So it's a calling that endure, a calling to endure because the calling was initiated and is sustained by God who endures. And secondly, it's a calling to endure but it's because it's a call that transforms. It's a call to endure because it's a call that transforms. Because listen, when God calls us to himself, he transforms us. What happens to Paul and what happened to Timothy when God called them to himself and what happens to you and I when God calls us to himself to be his children, he transforms us into new creations. He changes everything from the inside out. It's what the gospel does. It changes everything. This is not... This is not just dress up. This is not lipstick on a pig. It's not making something ugly, pretty for just a moment. It changes who we are. From who we were to who we are is what Paul says. It's who I was to who I am. God's calling on Paul's life transformed him. If you look at Paul's life before, he calls him in Acts chapter 9 that Paul was a murderer of Christians. He, he was going out to, mur to, to put an end to this spread of Christianity that came through this Jesus Christ that he was totally against. And on that road to putting to death those people, God called him and it was a 180 degree turn. It transformed his life from one who pursued Christians to stop the church to one who pursued Christ to build the church. The same guy who's writing this letter to Timothy was a guy who was, walk, who was pursuing the lives of the same people that he's now writing to and encouraging to build the kingdom of God. It's a transformation. It transformed Timothy. God's calling this gospel transformed Timothy from the shy, timid, afraid young man, making him a bold leader in a really tough church. 
The gospel has transformed me and is transforming me from one who sought the approval and the recognition of others to and would do almost anything for their praise to one who's learning how to abide in Christ, learning how to be satisfied in Christ and longs to love and to remain steadfast and faithful to Christ no matter what the cost. God's calling transforms all of us from who we were to who we are. From what scripture says, from thieves and adulterers and haters and liars and rebels and makes us righteous and holy and friends of God and children of God. From sinners to what scripture describes as saints, from cowards to confident, from dead in our sins and our trespasses to alive in Christ. The call that God has put on our lives, that he's, this gospel call to himself, it transforms us. And my hope for all of us this morning is that God's grace would be, that we would be reminded, by God's grace we would be reminded and we would grasp that our hearts would be captured by the greatness and the goodness and the glory that of his glory that fills the earth, that we would grasp his faithfulness that, and his never-ending love, that we would grasp just how incredible and how important this calling is on our lives, and that we would faithfully endure and pass this glorious gospel on to the next generation. This gospel that's transformed us would be passed to the next generation, that they would be transformed as well. And my hope for the next generation, those, our students that are in this room and our kids that are in the, in, in, in the hallways in the back there, that, that they would know who God is and all that he's done. And that it would not be said of us that after a generation has passed, that another generation would be raised up that would not know who God is or none, not that none of what he had done, but that our kids would know, that our students would know who God is by his grace, and they would know what he's done in them and desires to do through them, that they would be raised in the truth of this gospel and equipped with this glorious gospel that transforms lives, and that they would know who their identity is in God, it's in the gospel, that they are who God says they are, not who the world says they are, not who the culture says they are, and that their highest calling is to be what he's created them to be. That, he, that they, would follow, they would follow a calling not only to, that, that God has called them to himself, but they would follow a calling to be faithful to who he's called them to be as the people of God, but also as individuals. One of my greatest desires is that we would raise up pastors and missionaries and, and, and theologians from within the walls of, of Rolling Hills, global, all, all of our Rolling Hills campuses, but from right here inside of this, that moms and dads, you would be on board with your kids being successful and being successful would be being faithful to God's calling no matter what that is on their lives. That if their calling is to walk in faithfulness, to become a pastor or a youth pastor or a missionary that goes into the far reaches of the world and maybe you put them on a plane one day and you don't know if you'll ever see them again, that you would know that that's success over maybe having a job that makes them a lot of money but makes them miserable because they didn't follow God's calling. How much, more, how, much more faith, how much more exciting would it be to have men and women, students and kids in, in nursery back there right now who say, my mom and dad said they wanted me to be faithful to God's calling on my life no matter what the cost.
And maybe that's to be a teacher. Maybe that's to be a CEO. But maybe it's to be a missionary or a pastor. And we are fully supporting those things because we want them to be faithful to God's call in their lives. That's a soapbox, and it wasn't on what I was supposed to say, so let's move on. First, it's a call to endure because it's a calling that endures. And secondly, I want us to grasp that the gospel, it's a gospel that endures for all times. If you're following along on your worship God, a gospel that endures. A calling to endure because it's a calling that endures, but it's a gospel that endures. As in Paul, in verse, verses 8 through 11, he gives us one of the most complete and, and engaging descriptions of how the gospel endures. And for Timothy, as well as for each of us this morning, what Paul is saying is that you can endure because the gospel that transforms you endures. That this gospel that has transformed us, it endures. There's, there's nothing that, about this gospel that's going to change. It is, it is steadfast and sure. The truth of the gospel is steadfast and sure. Let's just walk through a couple things. Verse 8, it says this. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me as a prisoner. He says it, it endures shame. The gospel endures shame when our culture, when our friends and our family look at us as if we're foolish because we believe in the gospel. The reality is that the gospel endures. And maybe that's not been your experience. I, I, I personally, I've not experienced that with my own family, but I know I've, there's definitely been times when people in my life have looked at me and been like, you really believe that? Yes, and they've tried to shame those kind of things and think that it's foolish that I believe it, but the gospel endures even that shame. Even those places where the world and our culture tries to shame us into thinking what we believe is crazy, the gospel endures. Verse, and continues in verse 8, he says, Rather, join me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. The gospel endures through suffering. It endures suffering. Actually, I would say that the gospel spreads. The gospel is strengthened in suffering at least in our own hearts, in some of the hardest places in the world today, the gospel is spreading more than it is in some of the places that we live in on a regular, like our, our, in our world, in our soft culture that we live in today. Where most of it, nobody's really at the doors. Really, we, don't, we, don't, we don't put our lives in our own hands by gathering in this room today. But in places where they are putting their lives in their own hands, where they're putting their lives in God's hands truly, to gather as the church it seems like the gospel in those places where they're suffering is growing even more than it is in, in the United States and in the West in general. Today, the church in China is, grows, is growing exponentially more than it grows in the United States. As these small groups of people gather and they hold on to the gospel, even in that suffering, because the gospel endures suffering. Verse 9, it says that he saved us and calls us to a holy life not because of anything that we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Listen, the gospel endures because of grace. It endures, it endures shame, it endures suffering, and it endures because of grace. It endures because God has, he in his grace has given us this truth. It's not something that we've done. I mean, what the gospel is, is that the grace of God came and, and, and delivered us from lives that we could not have delivered our own selves from. If you continue in verse 9, it says, The grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. That the gospel endures this grace that we have, and the gospel endures because it is ageless. 
It says, before time began, the grace of God existed because it, it, it predated the, the existence of the earth. It predated our existence. So before time began, God's grace existed. His grace has nothing to do with us. It doesn't run out because it doesn't, it's not on a timetable. His steadfast love is everlasting, which means that we can endure because his love and grace continues to endure on and on. It's outside of our time. Verse 10, it says this, but it has now been revealed through his appearing of Christ, of, of our save through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought to life and immortality to light through the gospel. And this, and this is the gospel that I was appointed as a herald and an apostle and a teacher. The last thing the gospel endures, this gospel endures because Christ appeared. That God put on flesh and he dwelt among us is what it says in John chapter 1. Paul says that he was made manifest, that, that his spirit was made manifest and he walked with us and in, in that he abolished death and brought life and immortality and light through the gospel, to light through the gospel. And Paul endures and Timothy can endure and we can endure through suffering because we have a sovereign God whose grace was before time began and will continue forevermore who came to live a perfect life and defeat death completely and gave us new life where we were once dead. His gospel endures and we can endure because Christ appeared to do everything to, to fulfill the promises that God had made in the Old Testament. And it continues and it endures for us today. And so the first thing, it's a call to endure and that we have a gospel that endures. And thirdly this, that we have an example of endurance. Paul doesn't leave us with all this theological jar jargon, this pie-in-the-sky kind of ideas, and he doesn't just tell us that this is the way it should work and go figure it out on your own. Uh, Timothy, what Paul reminds us of is that he's lived it out. If you go, if you go to, to, to verse 11, it says this, that, and, this, and of this gospel, I was appointed a herald, an apostle, and a teacher, verse 12, that that is why I, must, I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know the one whom I've believed and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what he has entrusted to him until that day. What I've entrusted to him till that day. And when Paul writes this letter, he's in prison in Rome and, and, and from prison, that his execution is close. It's just on the, on the other side of writing this letter. Uh, most scholars believe that, that maybe Paul, that, that Timothy more than likely didn't even get this letter before Paul was executed. It, it, it was close in that timeline, but, but he writes to him, he says, I'm suffering I'm imprisoned, I'm cold, I'm alone. He tells us throughout this, throughout this letter in 2 Timothy, I'm cold and I'm alone. And as I write you this, death, the death sentence is looming. But that's not, the, that's, that's, only, that's not the only time I've experienced this suffering. He tells him over and over, he, he reminds him of these places that, that he's experienced this suffering. What he's reminding him is giving an example of this, of, of suffering and, and what it means to endure because he's giving him an example of what it means to trust God. He says, I'm not ashamed, for I know who I've believed. I'm convinced that he is able to guard until that day everything that has been entrusted to me. 
This life that he's given me, God is able to guard it. What he's saying is, listen, there's not an hour that anybody's going to steal from me. If I don't live another hour, it's because that was the time that God gave me to live on this earth. There's not going to be a minute that's stolen from me by any of these people that are here. Is what Paul's writing. He's like, I know, I, I trust that God is able to guard me until the moment that he is ready to bring me home. And therefore, I will remain faithful until that moment. I'm going to remain faithful in his, in his strength to endure all of the suffering that I, that I face because he is able to guard me until the moment he's ready to take me home. He says, I can, I can continue to walk in, in, in this suffering and walk in faithfulness to the gospel because the gospel is ever faithful. And because there's only, there's only one who's going to take my life and it'll be, it'll be God in the day that he desires to take it. So he said, this is what it means to trust him, to trust him no matter what, no matter what comes is I'm gonna trust him with my life because he's the one that can guard me. And secondly, it's an example to follow. Go back to verse 13. He says, what do you have heard from me? Keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith, faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. In verse 15, and you know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including the P guy and the H guy. I'm not going to try to say their names. Y'all know, if you're around, you know that I am horrible at that. He says, may the Lord, may the Lord show mercy on the house of the o, that guy with the O that starts his name. He says, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, he was, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. And may the Lord grant that he would find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he was a help to me in, in Ephesus. He said, first, what I love is that, he, that Paul doesn't just say good, he doesn't just give the good reminders. He's, he's like, hey, there's people who have fallen away. Recognize that. Recognize there are people who have fallen away and, and don't follow their example, but, but follow the example that I've given you and, this, and the example of others that have been faithful no matter what the cost. He gives us this example to follow. He says, this, this, if you've seen my pattern of life, follow that pattern of life. Follow this pattern of life and, and follow the, the pattern of life of those who have been faithful. Don't follow the pattern of life of those who have fallen away. And you know there have been plenty who have fallen away, but, but, but just pay attention to the way that you're living. Follow this pattern by the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you. Live a life that is faithful to the calling that God has on you because the gospel that you hold endures until the end. And I'll give a quick, just a, as just a couple things for us to hold on to as we, as we kind of wrap up this morning. I'm gonna invite the band to come back up. Just some, a couple things, a little places of application for us. A vision for God's glory and God's gospel that would endure in God's people forever as, it, as, as he prayed. And, and here's, here's the handful of things that I think are in this passage. The first is this, that what Paul says is he says, fan into flames. He says, fan into flames the gift that God has given you. And if you, if you know, the, the picture he's saying is like, as those coals and those embers burn, it, it, you know, like it kind of, it begins to die out. And then you fan that, and you fan that, that campfire as those embers begin to, to die out. And that, that oxygen that's breathed over that fire begins, it takes new life and it burns, 
It burns strong again. He's saying, fan into flames. Don't let this fire die out. And there's different, different thoughts of this. Is there's the gifts that you have, the, the, the calling that is on your life. On the one end, it's the general calling, fan into flame, this calling, this, this calling to the gospel, to God, the one that he's called you to himself, fan this into flames. And if you know anything about me, you know that I'm going to say this, that the way that we fan that into flame is by spending time with God in his word and by spending time with God's people in worship and in community. We fan that into flame. As we spend time with God, he breathes life into that fire, but it's also by using the gifts that we've been given. What I love about what Paul writes is he doesn't tell us what gift specifically Timothy was given. We can kind of cipher out some of it, but the reality is that he doesn't tell us because it allows us to kind of say for all of us, hey, all of us need to fan into flames this gift that God has given us. If it's to be hospitable, then use that gift. If it's to be a leader, then use that gift. If it's to serve in kids' ministry, then use that gift. If if it's to, to lead in worship, then use that gift. Fan it into flames. Because when you fan that God, that gift into flames, others see it and they're drawn to the glory of God and their lives are transformed by the gospel that transforms your life. And God's gospel and God's glory endures. He says, second, live a holy life that he has saved us and called us to live a holy life. Listen, we live in a world where uh, this is not an easy thing to do, but it's been that way from the very beginning. There's nothing that we face, even though the circumstances are different, that there's nothing that we face that the gospel doesn't give us everything that we need to live the life that God's called us to live. We face different circumstances. We have different different technologies, but God's gospel and God's goodness, he's given us everything that we need to live the life that he's called us to live. And he's called us to live holy lives. And that gospel endures when God's people live holy lives before him, live lives that are set apart, that don't look like our culture, that don't look like our world that we live in the world, but we're not of the world. If you've heard the phrase before, which means we recognize that there are things that are not right for us to do. There are things that we stand for and there are things that we stand against. And we don't wanna be known for all the things that we stand against, but we wanna be known for people who live holy lives. When we live holy lives, God's gospel endures, God's praise endure to the next generation. That we invest in others. He says, what you've heard from me, keep, keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love. It means pass it on. In the passage in, in chapter 2 that we read at the beginning that gives me hope, that what you've heard, pass it on to faithful men and women that they would be able to teach, that we invest in others. How do we invest in others? By spending time in community with others, by, by teaching kids in, in, in kids' ministry, by, by investing in students, by pouring into the next generation. Maybe you don't need to serve in student ministry, but if you have kids, investing in your kids, recognizing that you are the first, you are the forefront of, of that investing and that pouring into the gospel and by following examples of those who go before us and who are around us. And I, just the practice this week, maybe, maybe you just need to look around. Who are the people who have gone before you that have laid an example for you? Maybe spend some time this week in your own, in your own study, with time with God and his word and in prayer of just, hey, God, who are the people who have gone before me that are examples to me today? 
Who are the people that are around me that I need to look to and maybe ask, hey, I need you to be an example. I need you to be somebody who pours into my life. Who are those people that are around you today? Maybe students, there's somebody in your life that you need to go and say, I need you, I, I need you to pour into me. Adults, we need the same thing. Who are those people that you need to say, I need you to pour, I need to spend a little extra time with you because you're an example that I can follow of what it means to live a faithful life and for God's word to endure. We're gonna continue in worship and I just wanna pray for us just before we sing this song, just about God being able to do all of these things that we can ask or imagine. I wanna invite you to worship God, just celebrate his goodness and let his love and faithfulness endure through all generations as we sing together and praise his name. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for this morning. And we know that you say that your church, that the gates of hell will not overcome it. So we know that your church will endure, but God, we want to be those who carry your gospel on. That, God, your church grows and gets, and, and the gospel endures in, in, in the lives of our kids and the next generation. It's stronger than it is in our generation. And that they would pass it on to their kids and that their kids, God, in this gospel that has endured for generations to generations to generations would continue. And your praise would continue on and on and on until time ends and we stand before your throne with the angels and the saints who have gone before us singing, holy, holy, holy is the lamb who takes away the sin. Until that time, God, let these songs Remind us of the past and help us look forward to the future where your love continues, your grace and your mercy and your gospel continues to endure. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Be sure to share this episode with any friends and family in your life who may benefit from it. And make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you are interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.